You're listening to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. On every episode, I talk to you about uplifting, empowering, and inspirational topics that can help you to stand up and fight those beasts in your life and to just live a life filled with much more happiness, strength, and courage. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or on SoundCloud so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. You can also find this directly on my website at ValerieSilvera.com. You are not alone. I am standing with you. Hello, friends. I want to talk to you a little bit today about action number one of my nine actions to battle your beast. And I first introduced these nine actions in, it was actually my first book, Still Standing After All the Tears. And these are the things that I did to get myself up off of that mat to eventually get rid of this dark cloud that was hanging over my heart 24 hours a day to move myself out of depression and despair and to move to a place of happiness after finding myself standing in my kitchen one day telling my husband that I didn't want to be here anymore. So, I mean, it was a huge, huge leap from where I was to where I eventually became. And, and I'm still growing and changing now. But these are the actions that I took. And I, I just want to talk to you about action number one and that is to stand up and fight. And I put this action first in the nine actions. And, and by the way, these are not steps where you have to take step number one and then two and then three and then four. And I created them as a puzzle because they really all fit together and they're interdependent and they are, they're related and, and all of that. But I guess I really did put one of them first on purpose and that's action number one. And that's not to say the other eight actions aren't just as important, but here's the reality. If you don't first decide to do something, you're not going to do anything, right? I mean, if you don't make that decision, if you don't say, this is it, I am this, I'm going to do this, it's not going to happen. You're not going to become happier. You're not going to become healthier. You're not going to have more faith. You're not going to make more money, whatever it is that you're looking to do. It's not going to happen if you don't first make a decision. Because everything starts with a thought and then we take an action or we don't take an action. And so this is why action number one is so dang important. But here's the key to the whole thing. It's not just a one-time decision. I sure wish it were. Even after I made my decision to stand up and fight and to get my life back, I had to decide over and over and over because life happens. And the beast doesn't want you to get better. You know, I should do a whole podcast on the beast. I think I will. But you know, the beast is anything that has you down, that has you. It could be depression. It could be low self-esteem. It could be that you have been abused verbally, mentally, emotionally. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe like me, your son or daughter or somebody else that you love is living with an addiction beast. And as a result of that... You've got your own beast. And you know, the beast does not come from God. It is not what we are supposed to be living with. You know where that beast comes from. And so these beasts, and by the way, even if you don't have something big, huge, like a son or daughter living with an addiction beast, like in the case of me with my daughter, Jamie, who, by the way, I called Jordan in some of my early books. 
Um, if, if, even if you don't have something really, really huge like that, everybody has a beast. And these beasts can have many heads. If I hadn't gone through that, I would still have had stuff to deal with. You know, I lived a certain number of years and went through things and everybody has frailties and fears and, you know, nobody's immune from all this stuff. So let's start out with that. Don't feel like the Lone Ranger and don't worry about it because everybody's got stuff. So don't feel as if there's something wrong with you. We all need to work on ourselves. In fact, if you're not working on yourself to become a better person in whatever way, I mean, seriously, come on. You can't think you're perfect. I know I'm sure I'm not, and I've got to work on this stuff all the time. So having said all of that, let's get into just a little bit, a brief overview. Like I said, you should read Still Standing After All the Tears and go to ValerieSilvera.com and check out my other resources if you want to learn more about it. But essentially... Deciding to stand up and fight, like I said, is a one, it is a one-time decision, but then it's an all-the-time decision. I wrote this stuff. I developed the nine actions to battle your beast, and I've been knocked down probably more times than you, which is maybe why I am where I am, and maybe you're not quite there yet. I've probably just been knocked down more times and had to get up more times. And there were times when I didn't want to get up. This is going to take a lot of courage, and you will hear me talk a lot about courage because that's what it takes to do almost anything worth doing, worth having, worth being in this life. And so I feel like it was, for me, it was a pivotal decision. It was, you know, that decision that said, I'm done. I don't want to hear myself saying, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want my poor husband to have to hear that. I can't even imagine what that must have felt like for him. The person he loved most in the world had to hear those words and how helpless he was, knowing there was nothing he could do about it. So I just said, that's it. And I'm not going to allow my son, Sean, to, to deal with this, to have this self-destructing mom. That's not fair to him. What did he do to deserve that? And there were a whole host of other reasons. I didn't want my goddaughter and my godson to have me as a role model when I was self-destructing. There were a lot of reasons. But it was a pivotal decision for me to do that because the second I did that, it was empowering. And, and probably, you know, a few seconds later, I got scared and, you know, fell down to the ground again. But it was really was pivotal for me to start turning away from the life I was living and to decide to really stand up and fight. And I tell a story in Still Standing After All the Tears. And you maybe you've heard this story and, and I'm going to try to keep it a little more brief here. But my son, Sean, played lots of sports actually, but the, probably the most frustrating, scary, nerve wracking thing I ever watched him do was wrestling because it's that one-on-one -on -one thing, you know, and he was in the heavyweight division and his matches were always at the end. And sometimes it was the deciding match and, and all of that. But the story I want to tell is actually about a district meet where they had, it was at a college, I believe, and it, they had lots of mats laid out all over the gym, really big gym. And during the preliminary matches, you could actually stand around the mats where typically you'd have to be up in the stands. So my husband, Rich, and I were standing around and whatever the toss was, Sean didn't win it because he was down on all fours and the other guys over, you know, one arm over him and essentially has an advantage in the beginning, unless you have some really tricky moves. 
And so this guy was also much more experienced than Sean in wrestling and, and they were equal in size, but this guy was probably stronger because Sean had just started wrestling. So anyway, they start, right? And, and these heavyweight guys don't move real quickly. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. They sort of roll around. But in this case, they were in sort of a deadlock and Sean is trying to get up and get up and this guy's trying to take him down. And this whole time, his coach is screaming at the top of his lungs, stand up, stand up, Sean, stand up. And I'm thinking, if he stands up with this big guy on his back, he's going to break his back. I mean, he's going to slip a couple discs. So I was really tempted, and I'm not one of those kind of moms that would, would do this kind of thing, but I was tempted to go over there and tell the coach to shut up. You know, I didn't want him to get up. But many years later, when I made my decision to stand up and fight, I remembered that. And I remembered how fearful I was. See, I was scared to death that something was going to happen to Sean if he were to stand up. Maybe I didn't think he could Maybe I didn't have enough confidence in him. There were all of these things that made me not want Sean to stand up. But the coach knew something very important that I was not looking at. He knew that if Sean did not find a way to stand up, he was going to lose the match. And this is really the same thing for you. If you don't find a way to stand up and fight, you're going to be pinned. You are going to be down on that mat with the beast on top of you, his hands around your throat, screaming in your face and whispering in your ear that you're not worth it, that you can't do it, that you don't deserve to, that you've done something wrong, that you should feel guilty and you should have a lot of shame, all of the things that are keeping you down. You have got to make that decision. And I'd made mine with a tiny bit of hope and a shred of self-confidence. Because I had, I mean, I was literally a mere shadow of my former self. No matter how it looked on the outside, because I was pretty good at keeping things from people because I didn't want people to worry about me or feel sorry for me. You know, so I mean, I actually talk about this in action number five. I was a victim in disguise, but nonetheless, I was a victim. And so you have got to find a way to stand up and fight, take whatever little shred of whatever it takes and get yourself up off of that mat. Because the bottom line, folks, is that the world keeps turning. And for me, I felt like the world was turning without me. It's, it's almost hard to describe, but I would be, it was kind of like I was moving in a different time and space and I would see people going about their lives and it felt as if they were going about their lives, but mine had somehow stopped. Jamie's life had stopped. The world was turning without us. So that's the thing. While I was waiting for God to, you know, reach down me, reach down and grab me by the back of my shirt collar and lift me up out of my pit, the world kept turning. It's not that people don't care about what you're going through, but they have their own stuff because this is the truth of the matter. As I said earlier, everybody has a beast. And let's not forget, those beasts have many heads to them. So it's not just one thing typically. I mean, if you only have one thing, wow, more power to you. But I know I've had a lot of things to deal with. I still do. And so the world is going to keep turning without you. The world is not going to stop because you're going through this thing. I, it's just not going to. That's just the reality. It is your right and your responsibility to stand up and fight. And time is precious. Oh my gosh. If you are younger, you know, 20s, 30s, say listening to this, hey, I could even say 40s. 
You're not going to truly understand this until you get here. But please heed my warning. Time flies. And it doesn't fly just because you're having fun. It just flies. I wish I could put you in some kind of a little time capsule or something and transport you into your 50s where I am, heading down the back side of it here, and have you experience a 24-hour period, a week, a month, a year, and just see that that same amount of time that you lived in your 20s and 30s, how fast it goes in your 50s. So when you hear people older than you say it goes a lot faster when they get older, it's true. Believe me. So time is precious. I mean, gosh, I wish I hadn't waited till I was in my 50s to start getting my act together. So, you know, so stop. Here's a lot of a lot of what's going on with a lot of you is you're asking why. Because for many people, what has happened to you had nothing to do with your choices. Like in the case of my daughter and her addiction, it really wasn't anything to do with what I did. And so you are such a victim that you're, you know, you spend so much time going, why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why me? Why do I have to have this happening to me? We've got to stop asking why. Why not? Why not you? You know, everybody's got stuff. So why not you? And why not you be the person that shows others that it's possible to overcome this, that it's possible to fight that it's possible to be happy again in spite of whatever it is you're going through. Why not be that person that inspires somebody else and shows them? Because here's the deal. If even one person can get where you want to go, there is proof positive right there. Because that's all it takes is one person to have done it before to prove that it's possible. And I don't know what you're going through. And maybe what you're going through is 10 times worse than what I am. But if not, or if it's something similar, I can tell you that I'm proof. And if it isn't me, there's somebody else out there that has been through something worse than you. I can guarantee that and and has come out the other end. And so that's the proof. That's all the proof you need that it's possible. But then it's up to you to stand up and fight. It's up to you to make the decisions. It's it's up to you to use tools and resources. It's up to you to say, okay, this is going to take some time, some money, some effort, some sacrifices, but it's going to be worth it. And in the beginning, if you can't do it for yourself, find out who you can do it for. The main reason that I stood up to fight to get my life back was for the sake of my son, Sean. And it was not that I loved him any more than Jamie. It wasn't that, you know, Rich was so far down on the scale or anything. It was that he was my other child. You know, the child who had essentially lost his sister, because for those of you who don't know, my daughter was actually killed in August of 2016. And and I stood up to fight about 15 uh, years before that. But so there was, you know, a lot that has happened, but... Sean was estranged from Jamie for all intents and purposes. And so he essentially had lost his best friend, his first friend, his only sibling, and was watching his mom self-destruct, even though I was trying to hide it from him. And I didn't think it was fair. And gosh darn it, I did not want that to be my legacy. Call it what you want, but I didn't want that to be my legacy. I couldn't stand the thought of Sean describing me in the, I wish you would have known her when fashion, you know, I I didn't want that. I did not want that for him. Plus I thought, gosh, if I don't show him 
that it's possible, if I don't show him, if I don't demonstrate what courage looks like, if I don't show him that it's possible to stand up in your darkest hours, what is, who's going to show him? And what's going to happen if he gets to a point in his life where something really dark happens, worse than losing his sister? What if he's in a situation even that isn't as bad, but it's something having to do with work or a relationship and he's just so down and he has nobody to look to? But see, he will always have me. Whether or not he chooses to use that is his, his choice, but, but at least I gave that to him. That's the gift that I gave to Sean, that I am showing him you know, life is not a bed of roses and everything should not be handed to you in life. If it is, I'm actually kind of sorry for you because it shouldn't. We have to work for things and we have to fight through things. And it is in the work, it is in the fighting, it is in the striving that we grow and learn and change. And so I want Sean to see that. And I'm actually seeing changes in him. And I think it has a lot to do with this. So I'm, I just cannot stress enough that if you need to do it for someone else, go ahead. And if you're to the point where you're going to do it for yourself, then hallelujah. Either way, people are going to see what you're doing because people are watching you. So you need to fight. Especially if you're going through something really difficult like I was. And you know, my daughter was murdered a year and a half ago when I'm recording this. And so... You know, I'm still going through it. I'm learning how to live with a hole in my heart and all of this kind of stuff. Whatever. If you're going through something really difficult, I want to encourage you to fight as if your life depends on it because it does. No matter how big or small this thing is that you've got to deal with, your life does depend on it. Maybe not your very life, but certainly the quality of your life because there is a huge difference between living and existing, between living and really living. Action number one is the first of the nine actions to battle your beast that I introduced in the book, Still Standing After All the Tears. That's where I first introduced these actions. And there are two versions of a workbook that you really should get your hands on because this is what helps you to get in and start applying these actions to your life. What's really important is that you fight as if your life depends on it and that you stay in the ring until the final round. And so what that means is that every single time you get knocked down, you are going to stand up and fight. Maybe it won't be immediate. It may be very difficult. You may need a little help. Whatever it takes, you make, and there's a declaration, by the way, in the workbooks, there is a declaration that is super powerful and you can say it out loud, but this is your declaration that, yeah, I'm living with a beast and I know it's going to be tough, but I've made a decision that I'm going to stay in this thing as long as it takes, whatever it takes. And every single time I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up. Whatever you're going through, I want you to know that you're not alone. So many people are probably going through something very, very similar than what you are going through. And there are people right now today who have made the decision to stand up and fight right in the middle of the stuff. I mean, I could tell you story after story. And they happen to be women, but hey, guys, you too. 
that are standing up in the middle of the stuff and reclaiming their lives and becoming incredibly courageous, not in spite of what they've been through, but because of what they've been through. So don't think that because you've been given this thing in life, even as in a horrifying as it might be, because I, I tell you what, I could have never imagined the stuff that I've been through and I'm still living through, couldn't have imagined it. But I can tell you the other side of it is incredible blessings because I wouldn't have the opportunity to learn the things that I am to become the person that I'm still becoming had I not had this stuff. So that, my friends, is a brief summary of action number one, decide to stand up and fight. And I hope that you make today, not tomorrow, because today is the only day you are guaranteed. I hope that you make today the day you decide to stand up and fight. And you might not believe it where you sit today. Because when I stood up to fight, I just wanted to get a little bit better. I never could have imagined that I'd be where I am today. And that might be where you are today. You can't imagine being wherever it is that you'd like to be. Let me just tell you that I believe in you and I know you can get wherever it is you want to go. But it all starts with a decision. Decide to stand up and fight. You're worth it and you are not alone. I am standing right there with you. This has been another uplifting episode of Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. Remember to visit ValerieSilvera.com slash podcast to subscribe via SoundCloud or iTunes. Have an awesome day.